0: Welcome to Warriors Off-Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, host of the popular Locked On Warriors podcast. With the NBA draft about two months away, we did the Chronicles NBA Matchmaker, a quiz that allows you to evaluate potential prospects for the number two pick as if you were Warriors general manager Bob Myers. Wes, welcome back to the podcast. Um, You know, it's... it's, uh... It's kind of the doldrums of the quarantine in some ways, but I'm personally finally not having a hard time finding things to write. Uh, we got mini camp on the rise horizon here, officially starting Wednesday morning. Uh, they they did a self quarantine starting Monday, a 48 hour self quarantine at a hotel near the, near the Chase Center, and the draft is about two months away. So, you know, we're 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 plugging away. What about you? Are you are you are you feeling thankful that we actually have things to, to analyze?
1: Yeah, it's starting to really feel like a regular work day with, with like interviews happening. It kind of started when they hired uh, Landra Barbosa and then Sean Livingston Like Eric Pascal got rookie of the year. And it's like, oh, wow, there's like things happening. There's stuff to talk about. Um, and then obviously with the mini camp and you and I did some reporting on that. And we're going to continue talking with these guys. So it's just nice for at least like a couple weeks here to be back back in contact regularly with the team with coaches and players and just have stuff to write about and just, and and with that and the draft coming up, I know you and I have been doing a lot of work on the draft. I feel like I could draft for the Warriors at this point, honestly, like with as much work and scouting and and as much thought as I put into this, like I'm pretty sure that if this sports writer thing doesn't work out, I could just be a general manager.
0: Yeah. You know, and it, it doesn't hurt that it, that you get paid a lot more too. So um, that's right. Cause that's, you know, a really easy job to get, you know, there's, there's 30 of them. So, you know, you can just luck mm-hmm. into one of those pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, one thing I thought would be fun to do today is we at the Chronicle uh, starting last week, we have the, we unveiled this cool kind of interactive quiz online called warriors matchmaker. And basically there's 10 questions and then it, it asks you um detailed questions on what you, what you would be looking for in the number two pick if you were the Warriors GM. And then at the end, it gives you, um, who, who of the available prospects fits your criteria. And, uh, and so we've obviously done a ton of talking on these podcasts about, uh, about the draft and analyzing different, uh, factors, but you know, this, this will be kind of a fun way to, to look at it in a different light because the questions are going to be Presented to us
1: i love it uh i just want to say like that you tweeted out this matchmaker thing uh, a few days ago and when you tweet i got you on notifications so i checked it and um and i played the, the game and it's like the obvious evolution of the buzzfeed quiz of like what friend and friends are you right hey. and so uh I thought this was the coolest thing I texted you immediately after. I'm like that thing that you guys did is so cool. So if you're, if you haven't tried it, definitely go try yeah, it. Yeah.
0: And I actually recommend for those listening at home, um, do, do actually do it on your, do it on your phone. Uh, it's mm-hmm. actually even cooler on your phone than on a laptop. Um, because the way it is on your phone, it's like a dating app. It's like swipe yeah. right or swipe left. Um, thought it was kind of cool.
1: Um, what friend are you, by the way? Are you a Ross? Oh uh, man
0: probably maybe i don't know i think i have a little bit of all of them
1: i might be more of a chandler everybody Um, says they're more of a chandler everybody says that they're chandler
0: yeah i don't know
1: i feel like i can relate to them
0: all so um
1: what about you what are you i'm a monica
0: oh okay i can totally see that super anal and paranoid and stressed out yeah that's right yeah (laughs) um okay uh so we're starting here um Question number one, are you targeting someone who contribute, who can contribute immediately? Yes. Yes. uh, I I agree. I think the the Warriors have a a pretty small window and um, you know, based off what they're going to be able to do in free agency, I think they're still going to need another rotation player or two to, to be in the mix. Um, I'm not super confident with their bench as it is, you know, I'm not, totally sold on Damian Lee um, or Jordan Poole being able to give you meaningful minutes in the playoffs. So if you can get someone with his number two pick who can come in and be like a seventh or eighth guy from day one, I think that's a win.
1: Yeah, and look, I think the other part of this too is if you're drafting a rookie who you deem as the future face of the franchise or you're hoping that that rookie develops into a future all-star, multi-time all, that rookie is going to need to get time on the court too. So that's kind of the way I look at it uh, is that this rookie needs to be able to contribute immediately, not only to help the team that has championship aspirations, but to help himself, right? Develop. Like you're not going to develop as a rookie on this team, getting 11 minutes a night with the bench unit, right? You're going to need meaningful minutes with the starters playing next to Steph and clay and Draymond green. Like, so I think when you talk about immediate contributors, you're looking at a guy who can come in right away and compliment what they do. Uh, as well as uh, um, you know, potentially use that time to develop uh, his own skills and and one day you know become that player that they're looking for.
0: Okay, question number two: Do you want to take someone who has a chance to become a face of the franchise, even if he might struggle early?
1: Uh, no, I I well look that that actually had a really hard time with this question because um, you. Know, you would be willing to let that player struggle early because he's a rookie. And I don't think that any rookie in this class is going to come in and not struggle a little bit right away. Um, but if we're talking, pro- it's sort of like the degree of struggle, right? Like if that player is struggling so much that you he can't, can't be on the, fo- the, the, the floor, right? then you have an issue. Like you can't have, you know, Jordan Poole right. from October to December last year. Right. But right. You, you need to have somebody who can at least go out there and contribute something um, and so that's I, I really didn't know how
0: to answer that question. Yeah, I, 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 I look at it as how much are you prioritizing getting someone who can be face of the franchise. And uh, to me, that's the most important thing uh, about this pick because they're not going to have a ton of shots this early. Um, you know, the, they have the top three protected. Pick in 2021 from Minnesota But we don't know how good Minnesota is going to be next year That could be late lottery, it could be in the middle of the first round Who really knows um, And so this might be your only shot Like in the early lottery for the foreseeable future Because hopefully the Warriors aren't going to be You know, in the lottery On their own position uh, Anytime soon So um, I think you need to Take someone who at least has a shot At being a face of the franchise Down the line uh, which is why I'm not super high on taking someone like Willie Toppin, um, who I think is going to be a really good player in the league. And I think he's going to be productive from day one. Uh, but he is, uh, he's older than a lot of the players already on the Warriors. I believe he's almost 23. And I don't think his ceiling is super high. So um, I can understand why someone would want to take a swing on someone like Lamela Ball just because he does have a legitimate shot to be a perennial all-star in this league. And there's just not a ton of those guys, I think, available in this draft.
1: I think you hit on an important point here. We A lot of, I think, Warriors fans look at that Minnesota pick next year that's top three. Oh, we'll just that's supposed to be a loaded draft. We'll just get our future face of the franchise then. Just take the take a great role player now, like Obi Toppin, whoever you might think that is. And my argument to that always is, look, you can't count on that. Not only is that player going to be, you know, um, like – a mystery. We have no idea who these players are like the draft looks good now, but we've seen drafts look good. And then a year later, look not great. I mean, Cole Anthony was supposed to be the next great thing. And now we're not even talking about him as far as a consensus top 10 guy, you know? Yeah. And so uh, we don't really know what next draft is going to look like. Uh, it will probably be a good draft. I'm not saying it's not going to be, but you can't count on having a great pick in that, in that draft. And, and what you can count on is having the number two pick in this draft I think the Warriors need to swing for a face-of-the-franchise type guy. It just needs to be the guy who is sort of a combination of the last two questions, right? Somebody who can not only has that face-of-the-franchise, multiple all-star type of ceiling, but can reach that ceiling while playing for the Warriors and, and getting the playing time that he needs to reach that ceiling. And, and so that, that's – I guess I would have to say yes to this question.
0: So the next question, I think I already know the answer. That you're going to give me, but uh is is it important to you to draft someone with zero character concerns? Now, character concerns can be kind of a, a vague thing. Um, I think we should interpret that as anyone with any question marks in that department. So even if it's a work ethic or, or things like that, I mean it doesn't have to be the guy's been arrested or anything. It's just if there's any any question marks at all about how they go about their business. And I think there would be some question marks maybe about someone like uh, Lamella Ball. Um, I think even Anthony Edwards there has been questions about his work ethic and uh, his consistency and how he approaches the game guys on the flip side of that would be Tyrese Halliburton, sque- squeaky clean resume in that department. Uh, Denny who would also be squeaky clean as far as I know. Um, so where do you land on that?
1: Um, I think for the purpose of the Warriors, I think you almost want the opposite of this question is you want like a high character guy. Right in that locker room, and so I'm going to say that I forget how the, the question is framed, but I'm going to say that I, I would have a problem taking somebody with the character issues. Yeah, um, because like like this is a team that if you look at who has been able to stick around in that locker room, we're not just talking about guys who have gotten signed, passed through, even maybe had a couple of good years or a good year, but guys who have stuck there. That's what you're talking about with this number two pick. You're not talking about a guy who can walk in, give you a couple good seasons, and then leave after his contract. Is You're looking for a guy who's going to be there for eight to ten years, right? right. And if that's the case, you want a high-character guy. You right. want a guy who's – go ahead and say that this is a major uh, priority for them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the Warriors have such a strong locker room culture from the top down that if someone went in – and didn't work super hard or had some some character issues they're gonna be out in the cold pretty soon um you know you saw that with Jordan Bell um Jordan Bell was a very ta- talented player um and I don't think he had any major red flags but he, he there, a couple things happened with him you know he didn't show up to some optional workouts and he you know had the whole thing where he charged the candle to Mike Brown's hotel bill and, you know, that can be enough to put you in the doghouse with the Warriors because it's just so abnormal in that locker room.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, I, so yeah. question number four, are you valuing talent over positional need?
1: This to me is a really uh, tough question because you you will ask this to, like, front offices all the time too, and they'll always tell you that they look at talent over positional need. But that's sort of an eva- like. We really, when you're putting together your draft board, though, I, I think the two things sort of go together. Like what you are valuing f- from a positional standpoint might, like, that's gonna that's gonna affect how you view uh, their talent and their upside too, right? Right. Um, like we know the Warriors want length. Well, you're not getting a whole lot of length at point guard, but you're getting a lot more length at uh, power forward or, or small forward or even center or something like that. So, so maybe they prefer those positions over another position. Like so. I'm going to say that, to me, I'd rather get the talent right now than the position because I feel like I hit the other note with the first question. If that player can contribute immediately regardless of position, then we're good. So I'm going to go ahead and get talent over position. I just don't think the Warriors are in a place – to draft for need, not because they're so bad that you just take the best player available, but because they're so good that they don't really have a major weakness, I think, on that roster. So just go ahead and get the most talented player, whoever you think that is, understanding yeah, it, that whatever position they play is going to affect that evaluation.
0: It's an interesting draft because I, I talked to Joe Lacob recently, and he, he made the point that you know even though historically you always want to draft based off uh, the best player available, especially this early in the lottery, uh, this is a weird draft in that there's not necessarily a ton of separation in terms of talent. It's not, it's not easy to determine who is the most talented player available. And, um, you know, when that's the case, you do kind of have to factor in positional need a little bit more. Um, but uh, the Warriors already kind of have a positionless brand of basketball uh, that they kind of helped popularize in the NBA. And I think that whoever they draft at this, at this position, they're going to find a way to get him on the, on the floor. And they're going to find a way for him to be helpful. And a lot of these guys that we're talking about are also very versatile. So, uh, you know, they, they can help you in a bunch of different ways. So um, I, I think you got to go with talent at the end of the day over positional need. Um, next question. Would you prefer, would you prefer to trade back in the draft to later in the first round? Like all things being equal, if it was between drafting at number two or trading back, what would you rather do?
1: i probably just say at number two. I understand uh, this need from fans to want to trade back. I just – I don't realistically know that the trade is going to be there. Like, look, if you could trade back and still get the player you want, then fine. I just – just keep the number two pick. Like, just don't yeah. take it for granted. Just keep it, take the player you want, move on.
0: Yeah, I mean it's hard because you don't know what the offers are going to be. But uh, you know, if they get if they get some some impressive offer where you can get like a potential future franchise building block along with you know the seventh or eighth pick just to trade back, yeah, do that. But well, um, and I'll say this: if, if
1: if the well, who have the, who, the Hawks are at number four or six or the who's that number four? The Cavs. Cavs are you know, five five who's at the fourth pick this year this is great. chicago like if chicago or cleveland like chicago at four cleveland at five or atlanta at six like one of those teams give you a future first round pick to move up like i don't i'm like every every fake trade that shows up in my twitter mentions is like would atlanta trade john collins and a sixth pick to Golden state for number two and my answer to that is always no like why would they do that yeah um and uh like similarly like the Knicks at number eight. Would they trade Mitchell Robinson at number eight to Golden State for number two? The answer is no. Why would they do that? The Knicks look at Mitchell Robinson as a core piece. I don't know what this this thing right. with Warriors fans, it's an obsession with Mitchell Robinson is, but um, that's not a play. Like,
0: Mitchell Robinson does, what Marquise Chris does for you. Um, yeah, they already have, they, they have, the, have the run running order. center.
1: Yeah, they already. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't understand it. Uh, and and historically, when you see a, a team move up from you know mid lottery to the high lottery or something like that, it's not player and pick for pick, right? It's pick and pick for pick, right? You usually just right. jumble a bunch of draft. What it, what Dallas did to move up with Atlanta to number four to get Luca a few years ago, that was a bunch of draft picks, okay? Right. And so that's if if the Warriors are going to trade back, don't think that they're going to get some sort of you know superstar player in return or even you know all-star, even high-end role player back from these teams. That's not how those players get moved. Those players get moved for other players. Uh, You usually move draft picks and future draft picks for higher current draft picks. And uh, if that's the case, like, and the Warriors don't have to drop too far. And again, I'll go back to like Chicago or Cleveland at four or five, and you can pick up a future first rounder uh, which with with protections that make sense. I'll I'll consider it then at that point because I think there are guys at four and five that the Warriors would be really comfortable taking and who make a lot of sense for them. So I'm actually going to change my answer to this. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Let's have them move back. But it's not going to be for John Collins or Mitchell Robinson, folks. It's going to be for just yeah. a future first round pick that they can include in a trade for a legitimate uh all-star player, possibly down the road.
0: I I'll say yes as well, but with that caveat of it, to me, if you're gonna trade back, I would like to only trade back to like four or five range and nothing beyond that. Um, right. Because Agreed. if you're eyeing someone like Denny, you know he could go as early as four uh, potentially, and so yeah. you you don't you don't want to trade back and then get someone and then have to settle for someone. So um, if that's if you really are high on someone, I think you should take him at number two. But you know, I can understand the the intrigue of, of trading back. So we'll, we'll say we're gonna trade back. We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. Next question. Do you want to plug the team's hole at center? Like how big of a priority is filling that quote-unquote need at center? And, and notice how I say quote-unquote uh, because a lot of people are acting like that's this huge, glaring hole that the Warriors need to fill because they haven't had a guy average 20 and 10 since like Joel Berry Carroll at that position. And that's just such an atrocity. Uh, but, you know, I've said a million times on the podcast, the Warriors system does not value a high-scoring center. Um, they want someone who can be a real fulcrum of the offense, um, who's a good passer, can see the floor, play good positional defense. Um, and right now, you're looking at a center rotation of Marquise Chris, hopefully a healthy Kevon Looney, and then whoever they they sign in free agency, potentially like a Marcus Soule or a Serge Ibaka. So, in, in your mind, is that center rotation good enough, or, or do you want to? No, and then, then you young. then you
1: throw Draymond Green in there, closing right. games at center too. And I think that it's it's too simplistic to say your best five players need to play five different positions. Like that's never been the case for the Warriors. For like right. your bet, you could get your best five players on the floor in today's NBA, and that's what you're really talking about. So the answer, for by the way, is no. It's not a priority to fill that quote unquote need center. They're gonna address the center position probably through free agency. Uh, I don't expect them to address it through the draft. And um, the other part of this is if you're going to address it in the draft, you need to go get – like, look at today's NBA right now. Right. Who are the centers that are difference makers that were taken – near or just in general, the centers who are difference makers who are paid the amount of money that you're going to eventually have to pay a first-round pick? Because a first-round center is going to make $12 million, mm-hmm. 10, $10 to $12 million. Uh, and then after this next contract – you probably have to pay him $20 million or more. So you look at the centers in the league who are paid like that, who are, who are worth that amount of money. And you're talking about basically Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert, uh, who even he has limitations that we've seen. Like that's kind of the end of the list. Like Bam Adebayo is going to get paid too. So like throw him in there. Um, But then you look at other centers who were drafted really high, who demand that kind of price uh, tag and, and it's guys like Andre Drummond, who was traded for you know John Henson and another player and a second round pick. Like you're looking at guys like Clint Capella, who who the Rockets just traded in order to get smaller. Uh, like if you're if you're asking yourself if if you're one of these James Wiseman people, unless you think Wiseman's going to be Carl Anthony Towns or Nikola Jokic or Anthony Davis good or Bam Adebayo good, you uh, anything less than that you can't take him. Right. In the top here. If you are a financially and it's nothing against Wiseman. It's just players like Wiseman, you can't pay them. And that's not an anti-Wiseman thing. You talk to any NBA scout. Nobody will ever compare Wiseman to Carl Anthony Towns, uh, or any of these other guys that we're talking about. So uh any anything short of that, you pass and then you address it with exactly what the Warriors have done throughout the years, is you address it with a center a committee by approach. You saw Boston do that they decided not to resign al horford understanding that he was going to need 20 plus million dollars a year did they take a step back in that at the center spot you could argue that they did from last year to this year but they but they are for more financially stable because they just use a rotation of daniel tice and robert williams and grant williams and and ennis Cantor. and then when when you know when it's crunch time they put their best five players on the floor which doesn't include any of those centers, and you end up playing Jason Tatum in center because he could play that position. And then you throw Gordon Hayward and Marcus Smart out there, and, and those, that's, your closing, that's your closing group. And I think the Warriors will continue to treat the center position the same way.
0: Question seven. Are you looking for a defensive-minded wing to help fill the void left by Andre Iguodala? And you can also even throw in Sean Livingston, who for the majority of his time with the Warriors is very helpful defensively with his length.
1: Yeah, I am. I think this is one of the biggest uh concerns for me for the Warriors going forward. They had the twenty-sixth rated defensive rating in the league last year. You don't get better at that just from internal development of guys like Marquise Chris and Eric Pasco and Jordan Poole. Like you just or even, or Andrew Wiggins. Like you don't just get better from internal development. You need to add better defenders to your roster. And I with this pick, it's gonna be a this whoever this guy is, is going to play a lot of minutes. Like you don't have to fix your defense with this pick, but you just need to understand that whoever you pick here is, is going to play a lot of minutes. And so if who you pick here is really bad defensively, then that's going to hurt your defensive rating. And the Warriors are going to need to get to like around the 12th best defensive rating in the league. If they're going to be a real championship contender, that's a huge leap. And I think there's going to be ways that via the trade exception and the mid-level exception for agency that you can get better. Clay Thompson coming back is going to help. Obviously there's uh, Draymond green playing a full season where he's not, you know, sitting out for every, you know, stub toe that he has. I I think that all that stuff will help, but you're going to need to add legitimate defensively minded personnel to this group. And so uh, specifically at the wing position, because they did, they have lost a lot of length when Durant and Iguodala and Sean Livingston left. Andrew Wiggins was a good start, but it's not enough. You need to replace. You need to add probably two or three wings to this roster, I, I think. And it's a good place to start at the top of this draft.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's that needs to be a major priority. Um, and the the tricky thing is, it sometimes it's hard to evaluate how good of an NBA defender someone's going to be based off their college film or what have you, because it's so different. You remember a couple years ago, the Warriors drafted jacob evans and, and thought he was going to be an immediate contributor largely because they thought he was going to be a factor defensively and he was he's probably below average defensively in his time with the warriors and he's on his verge he's on the verge now of being out of the league um and you know you're going to have a lot more talent available you're drafting at number two than you are at number 28 but you got to be careful of that uh there are a couple guys who could be available here who i think are definitely going to be really good NBA defenders and and one of them is Isaac Okoro out of Auburn. Uh, another one is Devin Vassell, out of um, out of
1: Florida, Florida State.
0: State. Um, I, I specifically really like Vassell. Uh, he he might have been the best defender in college basketball this past season, um, and he's. I think he gives you more offensively than
1: uh, than someone like Okoro. Yeah, I think Okoro is definitely the like. He's might be the best one-on-one defender and in this class, but I you're right. Like there's real concerns whether or not he could stay on the court. Um, like is, is he just Michael Kidd and Gilchrist? Like that's a that would be a problem, right? So um, and that like and some people will compare him to Andre Ugadala, but I would I would caution that Ugadala was able to stay on the court offensively because he was such a great playmaker. And I haven't like Okoro's been okay, but I haven't seen that level of playmaking from him at Auburn. Uh, Vassal I really like just as a three and D guy and maybe he tops out at that. But I actually do think that there's a lot more to his game that we haven't seen yet. He started to show some off the dribble stuff late in the season for FSU that had me really excited. And so I'm like you, I, I really like Vassal. He's actually really, really high on my personal board. Uh, other guys are like Tyrese Halliburton, who is was uh, a really good defender, could probably guard three positions at the NBA level. Uh, Patrick Williams, who's Vassal's teammate at FSU. Like he came on strong. He averaged uh, or he, uh, he totaled 30 blocks and 29 steals last year as a freshman for FSU, uh, just coming off the bench, didn't start a single game, but was able, but closed a lot of games because he was, he was so dynamic defensively. Like he's got potential not only to be a rim protector, but jump passing lanes and really affect the game in game changing ways um, from that, from, you know, a stretch four spot. And he can hit some threes too. Uh, So there's a bunch of guys at the top of this draft that I like for that.
0: So the next question, it's a, it's a pretty open-ended one. Is shooting a priority for you? And I think the obvious answer has to be yes. I mean, this is the, this, the NBA is all about shooting. I mean, uh, it's been proven that even, even centers need to be able to shoot in this league. Um, everyone who's going to try to have meaningful minutes in, in, in games that matter needs to at least be a competent shooter. So I, I, I think especially when you're drafting this early, you can't be drafting anyone that you think is a major reclamation project Offensively, I mean, you need to you need to draft someone who you think can be at least a competent shooter. Um, so, yeah, I- a guy who can make
1: just a guy who can make open jumpers. Like, and that's the problem with a guy like Lamelo Ball. Like, does he have that upside? Absolutely, but that that jumper is really unorthodox and strange. And it, and it's going to take probably years of work to overhaul that shot. And he's going to need to overhaul that shot. It's not one of those things where oh, it doesn't look good, but it goes in. No, it doesn't look good and it doesn't go in. And like Tyrese Halliburton has a weird funky shot, but it goes in. And so that's okay. And so like a guy like Halliburton to me would be a nice pick, but Lamella ball, I would stay away from just because, you know, he's, there's major issues. And if you're the Warriors and you're building around basically Draymond Green, as well as Steph and Clay, like you can only have so many negative floor spaces on the court. And by the way, Andrew Wiggins isn't the greatest outside shooter um given his track record uh, you you'd like to believe that he could get better getting more open shots and easier offense but uh I, I think i'm with you i think ultimately the shooting needs to at least be there he doesn't need to come out and be like jj reddick out of duke but this player needs to just show some level of competence there
0: question nine do you want to find stephen curry's era parent at point guard no yeah i'm not i'm not too worried about that right now um
1: you it's know, kinda like have, the last question and where where it's the, the positional fit or and all that stuff. It's no, just get the just get the best player. Yeah,
0: and and Steph has I think at least several more years where he's gonna be playing at a very high level. And um, you know, I think that it'd be nice to have a secondary ball handler, but as far as an actual backup point guard, those are different things. Um I don't think you need a yeah. backup point guard.
1: You know, yeah, you I don't have think you need the someone next
0: initiate the offense from time to time, but
1: yeah, I think you can always use more ball handlers, right? Like even if, like Denny Avia is not going to be your primary ball handler, but he's going to be a hell of a secondary one if, all, if it all works out for him, right? Um, I, with Steph, I know that his championship window is like three to four more years, and the Warriors will tell you that. But it's not like all of a sudden you're going to bench Steph Curry after that. That just means that him as the best player on your team, that's the window. Like he could take a lesser role and still be one of the best three-point shooters in the league even if he's not capable of leading a team to a championship as the best player on the team anymore. Um, so you're not going to just, like I said, like you're not going to take whoever you draft here at point guard, if you were to draft a point guard and then bench Steph Curry for this player five years from now, right? You want ultimately a player who can play with Steph Curry and maybe extend this window that we currently think it is, but not a player going to replace Steph Curry.
0: So our 10th and final question, Would you prefer to draft a 19-year-old over a 22-year-old? So in an ideal world, would you rather go young or would you rather draft someone who's a little bit more experienced and a little older who maybe is more seasoned and more ready to contribute right away? Uh,
1: I'd rather go young understanding that with the youth comes greater upside and room for growth. And that's absolutely true. That's not a made-up thing. like That's been borne out over and over again when we look at this stuff. I know the Warriors have a track record, you know, Eric Pass will look no further, getting guys with experience. And I think they like those players, but they like those players when you're drafting in the second round or even at the end of the first round. But what we're talking about, right, they've never had the ability to draft a player with such upside as they will with this number two pick. And so I I, I do think that that strategy is basically the opposite given that they're picking right now. We've never seen them have a pick this high. Uh, We we haven't seen this front office have a pick this high. And so I don't think that they're going to go with that same sort of um evaluation as far as prioritizing experience and age because that's more of something where you're drafting the second round you don't even know if this player is going to make the team let alone contribute minute right
0: yeah so and we're on the same page. might have better you we're on the same doing page. that
1: but here you're betting
0: right you and i were on the same page for pretty much all these uh maybe maybe we've talked to each other a little bit uh too much but no you got to go when you're when you're when you're drafting at this spot, you gotta go uh, young, just because you you want to have a shot at a franchise guy, and you're, you're you're more likely to with someone who has that kind of uh, upside. So, I just we just finished all the questions, and we got our result, and it's a 100% match. Before looking at before I announce it, who do you think it, the answer is going to be, based off the answers we just gave?
1: I'm not aware of this algorithm that you guys use, but uh, can I give you, like, two players? Yeah. Anthony Edwards or Danny Avia?
0: It is neither. It is Devin Vassell out of Florida ah, That was the
1: next one I
0: was going to say. A 100% yes, match. And wow. uh, I wrote little blurbs here uh, explaining each guy and if you if you match with them, why you would pick them. And so my explanation for Vassell is, the Warriors want to contend for a title next season, and Vassal has the physical tools to contribute to a winning team as a rookie. A prototypical 3 D wing, he shot 41.5% from three-point range for Florida State last season while routinely making life difficult on the opponent's best scorer. Vassal's issues creating his own offense limit his long-term upside, but he would be a solid pick if Golden State decides to trade back in the lottery.
1: Um. Yeah, I love Devin Vassell. I have him number two right now on a personal big board behind only Anthony Edwards. And if Edwards was number one in Minnesota, I would be really comfortable taking Vassell number two. I think he could be a legit player in the NBA. He's got a lot of room for growth. Even just, I like the fact that from his freshman year at FSU to sophomore year, like he went from like 3.7 field goal attempts per game to almost 10. And the production, like he didn't lose efficiency. Like he was just trusted to do that. Look, 10 is not a lot. But FSU was very much of, of a flow offense, uh, kind of like a um, everybody eats type thing. But there were, like, there were times watching Seminoles games where you were just like, give him the ball more. Like he's obviously the best player out there and he's scoring better than anybody else. He's got the height, I think, that's going to help him shoot over uh, defenses. He showed a little bit of this off the dribble in the mid-range pull-up game uh, late in the in the season. And I think they could have went to that a little bit more often, to be honest. And so... I think we're just sort of scratching the surface with what Devin Vassell can do. And if you just look at what you want out of a prototype player, he's six seven with a six ten-ish wingspan or maybe even longer than that when he gets measured officially. Uh He's lean, but he's going to pack on a few more. Uh, if he could put on more weight, more muscle, it's going to be really helpful for him. He he's one of the best. He's probably the best team defender in college basketball. A really good one-on-one defender. The three-point shooting, he's knockdown three-point shooter. Again, one of the best three-point shooters in college basketball. So he can just walk in right in away, play the two-to-three, or I even think a small-ball four for you because of how good he is defensively, and just make threes, play good defense. Um, and then yeah. while he's playing there, develop into something more. If that off-the-dribble game continues to develop over the next two years, but there's going to be no rush for him, and it could be a really organic growth process.
0: Yeah, and one thing I really like about him is, you know, his, his college team won at a high level. Um, and we're not talking about Duke or North Carolina. This is not necessarily a college basketball blue blood. Um, but they, they won at a high level. He plays winning basketball. He does the little things that are going to get you UWs. Um, my, my only major question mark for him is can he ever create enough offense for himself to be a real factor like major factor offensively and if you're drafting someone at number two or even trading back to like four or five and taking him um, you want someone who can grade his own shot and I'm not confident he can do that but that also might have been just a product of Florida State's system I mean you're seeing with someone like Jordan Poole like the Warriors are learning that his offensive repertoire is much bigger than they thought it was because when he was at Michigan, he was just a catch and shoot guy, but that doesn't mean that's all he can do. So, you know, it'd be nice to get him in for a workout and kind of put him in more situations where you're asking him to create and see if he can actually do that. Um, But I really like him, man. I mean, I know you're super high on him. And the more, the more I study up on him, the more I think like, if the Warriors do end up trading back more and like, like let's say they trade back with the Knicks, who, who seemed to want LaMelo Ball at number two, I think he'd be a great option at number eight if he's available.
1: I would take him at number two. I don't think that I'd have a problem with it. This is, again, this reminds me of when Boston preferred Jason Tatum over Markel Fultz. Um, you know, there's just certain guys, just check the boxes of what you're looking for. Um, I would be I – would. I, if I'm the Warriors, I would just grab him at number two. If, if you really feel like – that the right trade isn't there and you'd prefer to just grab them as, as opposed to just sweat it. I, I think if you trade back to eight with New York, it might be a little too far. Maybe if you're, if Chicago is or uh, Cleveland are trying to leapfrog uh, Charlotte, m- maybe uh, you move back that far. I think you'd probably be safe there. It really depends on golden state's Intel on what other teams are thinking. But if, if the Warriors took Vassell at number two, I think there would be a reaction from a lot of Warriors fans and a lot of national people, but I would, I would be really okay with it.
0: Wes, this was a lot of fun, man. And uh, I, I really, I appreciate your kind words of the matchmaker. I think it was even more fun to actually be able to talk through it with someone. Uh, But I I highly encourage our our listeners, go, go mess around with it. Do it a few times, you know, Uh, have different answers. See, See what uh, responses you get because I think it's an awesome way to just learn about all these prospects. Um, so, thank you again, Wes. And remind our listeners where they can find your stuff and listen to your awesome podcast, Lockdown Warriors.
1: Yep. You can find Lockdown Warriors anywhere you get your podcast. It is a daily uh, podcast uh, talking about all things warriors. Uh, follow me on Twitter at WC Read my stuff over at the MercuryNews.com.
0: Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com.